There were crimson roses on the bench. They looked like splashes of blood. The judge was an old man, so old he seemed to have outlived time and change and death. His parrot face and parrot voice were dry, like his old, heavily-veined hands. His scarlet robe clashed harsh with the crimson of the roses. He had sat for three days in the stuffy court, but he showed no sign of fatigue. He did not look at the prisoner as he gathered his notes into a neat sheaf and turned to address the jury. But the prisoner looked at him. Her eyes, like dark smudges under the heavy square brows, seemed equally without fear and without hope. They waited. Hello and welcome to Story Girls, a fortnightly podcast about books with a dash of absurdity. I'm your host, Lindsay. And I'm your host, Alicia. And we are back. Yes. <laughs> it's been quite a hiatus. It's been quite a hiatus. Uh, yeah, I don't think we've recorded maybe since February and it's now June. June. Yeah. Obviously, that's not when this will be posted, but um, just due to COVID-19, we have not been able to actually be in the same space together mm-hmm. for quite some time. And unlike other people who live in 2020 with 2020 style internet... We have terrible rural internet. Yeah. So, so we couldn't record remotely. Yeah. But now we're here. It's all good. We're back at it. And we are commencing our four-part Dorothy L. Sayers episode extravaganza. Woohoo! All right. What are we doing first? We, we are, well, we'll introduce the book. So we yes. are starting with Strong Poison. So mm-hmm. the four books that we've chosen from Dorothy L. Sayers all, um, of course, showcase Peter Whimsey, who is her detective, mm-hmm. but we also picked the ones that showcase Harriet Vane, who mm-hmm. is his love interest. His reluctant love interest. His reluctant lo- love interest. Mm-hmm. And so this is the first book where the character Harriet is introduced. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe that these books were released like bam, bam, bam after each no, other. There were no. spaces in between. Yep. Um, so this is a romance over... Over time and space. It is. And it's interesting, too, because they were there were other books released in between. And also that, that time takes place in their universe, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like she wrote them at different times, but they all take place really close together. It's like she references things that happen in the other books as happening in between these. So it is all... You could really go deep if you wanted to, like, which we have. But, but I mean, in terms of like bringing yeah. the other books that oh, go yes, in between. Yes, in. yes, yeah, yeah. So um, the first one is called Strong Poison, and um, we're just going to read the. Oh, actually, we'll talk a little bit about Dorothy Sayers before. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So okay. Dorothy L. Sayers, and if you've been following us on Instagram, we've posted quite a few things about her already. And because we are doing four episodes about her books, I'm not going to give everything about her life away. I mean, I'm not at all. But um, I'll just say a couple of things. She was born June 13th, 1893 at the Headmaster's House in Oxford. Ooh. Her mother was a daughter of a solicitor, and her father was a chaplain of Christchurch Christ Cathedral and a headmaster. So she grew up in a very... Um, literary educated kind of world um which when we get to gaudy night which is really let's be honest what we keep saying we're all working towards it's true (laughs) um it it takes place in oxford so there's a lot you can see a lot of her um familiarity with that world there Mm -hmm. um oh but what i'm gonna mention in this 
one in this little brief bio is that in 1920, she began a passionate affair with a Jewish-Russian emigre and imagist poet named John Kornos. And he was basically um, her first passion, her first love. Mm -hmm. And... Perhaps not so flattering to John Cornos, she modeled the character Philip Boys in this book after him. And Philip Boys be the murdered. Yes, he's, uh, <laughs> he's the guy who gets the strong poison. Uh, yeah. And not, uh, not a flattering representation. Not a flattering representation. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting and something to keep in mind as we talk about this book is that she very much had a Philip Boys in her life. And also, interestingly, he also fictionalized their relationship in his book, which is called The Devil is an English Gentleman. It's a novel, but... Despite the fact that it is a novel and a work of fiction, he actually included sections of her private letters wow. in his work of fiction. So let's just well, let's just boo that, shall we? Boo. So when he, the book was called The Devil is an English Gentleman, was mm-hmm. he referring to himself? <laughs> he wasn't really an English gentleman. Oh, okay. He was a Russian gentleman. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Uh, oh, so it was about everybody else. It must have been about everybody else, unless, yeah, it was just like, I haven't read it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm probably not going to read it. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into Strong Poison by reading the back of the book. Okay. I'll go ahead and our copies are different, but they have the same blurb on the back. They do. Can Lord Peter Whimsey prove that Harriet Vane had not murdered her lover with arsenic and find the real murderer? It appeared an impossible task. The Crown's case was watertight. The police were adamant that the right person was on trial. The judge's summing up was also clear. The prisoner had the means, the arsenic. She had the opportunity to administer it. Harriet Vane was guilty. And Harriet Vane should hang. But the jury disagreed. All right. So let's pull our first prompt. Let's pull our first prompt. Oh, wow. (laughs) Whoa, now. Oh, hmm. Whoa there. Problematic things in the book. Well, you know what? Given the current climate, we might as well dive. Just dive right in. Right in. (laughs) Um, Oh, but before we do, spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to spoil. This is a murder mystery, and we're going to spoil it. Yeah. So We're as always, tell you who done it and how? Yeah, and when and, when? and why? <laughs> and why? If, if they know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, as always, please read the books before, unless you don't care about yeah. having it spoiled. You just didn't for for this. <laughs> <laughs> if you just want to hear the sound of our voices, then by all means. Welcome. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's your spoiler warning. We're gonna ruin it all. Okay. Um, okay. So having said that, all right. Well, we assume that you're going to know everything we're talking about when we talk about problematic yeah. things, having read the book. So, so there are a couple in yeah. this book. Um, well, it happens pretty early on in the book that we can talk about Peter um, badgering badgering Harriet. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty problematic that Peter shows up mm-hmm. and basically is like, I'm going to solve your case. Mm-hmm. By the way, I also want to marry you and I'm good in bed. <laughs> and, and like, wouldn't you want to marry me? And she's like, um, yeah, she's actually like, no. 
No, because he's her 47th proposal. And also literally just walked into the room. Like, they've she's never laid eyes on this man in her life. No. And as Whimsy is described, I mean, like, he's an odd figure. He is. So, so <laughs> he's also, an odd dude. So, like, an odd dude walks into the room and is like, I love you. Like, <laughs> in a weirdly, like, um, disproportionate like level of power situation, right? Yes. Like he's already very famous for being a sleuth and really rich and really rich. And like part of the, you know, what's it called? He's a Lord. Part of yeah. The- he's the aristocracy. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Harriet is in prison on trial for murder. Yeah. And, and so she's like, like a shamed woman because mm-hmm. a huge part of why everyone thinks she murdered him was because she was living with Philip boys without having married him. Right. And so there was a lot of shaming of her. Mm -hmm. So there's like a huge power dynamic situation that he is failing utterly to recognize Mm -hmm. when he walks in and he's like, oh yeah, no, I just thought you seemed like an amusing person to marry. I just really like the look of you. And she's just like, what the hell guy? Like I'm going through some shit right now. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, he is a very celebrated detective. Mm -hmm. So... When you're on trial for a murder you didn't commit, you're going to be like, but, you know, feel free to solve my case. Right. Like, Yeah. And so, I mean, he does say, like, oh, if you say no, I'm still going to do it. But at the same time, like, that's just a really awkward position for her to be in. Yeah. And people say that. But does that always happen? Yeah. And he really, it's... No, I like Whimsy as a character, and I've read mm. all the Whimsy books, as I know you have, and mm-hmm. we're both fans of Whimsy, but this is a real low point for him. It doesn't come off well. No. I think it's, and this is not an excuse, I would say this is more of like an explanation, mm-hmm. that Whimsy, I think he was kind of like a confirmed bachelor, mm-hmm. and so his strength of feelings from watching mm-hmm. Harriet, like, you know, he basically had like a almost love at first sight thing with her and has mm-hmm. fallen in love with her through the course of the trial. Mm-hmm. And he can tell that she didn't kill him. And so he's like torn up inside. And I think he actually says that. And she has to like console she him. She consoles him. She's like, oh, that must have been terrible for you. So problematic. <laughs> and that's, I think the most problematic thing is that like that is his true lived experience that he has fallen in love with her. He mm-hmm. is torn up about the fact that everyone's like, she's a guilty. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, and I love her, but like he's so in his lived experience that mm-hmm. he cannot see outside of that to mm-hmm. what he is presenting to her. To her, like put himself in her shoes at all to be like, sure, he's had, you know, weeks and weeks of watching her and we don't actually see the trial, but no. from other things that as you get to know Harriet as a character, you can imagine how she would have comported herself during the trial and you can see how he could have been drawn to that, but to not acknowledge that she had no knowledge of him, like she had no opportunity opportunity to watch him in a situation of any kind yeah. for any amount of time. And he's just waltzing in there yeah. to and be like, yeah, my feelings are of the utmost importance. Yeah. It's well, it is the reaction of like a spoiled white privileged man. Who's quite rich. You're just a big man, baby. Indeed. Yeah. Who's used to getting what he wants. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, I think that's almost even part of the problem is that he's like, I have to solve this because yep. first of all, like I must be the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. And also like, there's no way you get to be hung cause you have to get married to me. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the real issue here is that they can't hang my future wife. Yeah. yeah. And he's even brought his mother to look at her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty problematic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and it's a, it, and it is, I do love the character of Whimsy, but this mm-hmm. is a low point. But mm-hmm. from here, we can only go up. And it does certainly go up. And also, I think uh, Dorothy Sayers had said that she, when she started this book and she created the character of Harriet Vane, she was ready to retire Whimsy. She was like, I don't want to write about Whimsy anymore. I'm going to marry him off. Mm-hmm. But then she said that she created Harriet as a partner for him and then found that Harriet wouldn't marry him. So mm-hmm. as their relationship progresses over the next several books... Dorothy L. Sayers actually also very much like deepens the um, the feelings and the experiences and the way they interact with one another, which is great. Yeah, the big man baby has to grow up. He does grow up. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what sort of what these next few episodes are going to chart. Which yeah, is, yeah. Um, there's also the Bunter and mm-hmm. uh, the maid. Yes, Hannah Westlock. Um, yeah. So Peter asks Bunter if he will go and basically ingratiate himself with this woman because Bunter, we are told, is very handsome and oh charming my God, and charismatic. Oh get his way into that household so quick. So quick. Yeah. And he's basically like coming on to this girl, this maid, in order to get information. And also the cook a little bit. Also, he, like, the two of them together. <laughs> yeah. In he, the same room. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm going to cook for you ladies. Doesn't he talk about like making biscuits or something? Like, does he? <laughs> I know they have a long conversation about casserole chicken. Yeah. And the right way to cook it. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about food. So much. And they all hate garlic. I think Bunter doesn't. I think no, Bunter. Bunter adds garlic and the rest of them are like, ugh, garlic. Yeah, I don't know. But to go back to Bunter and Hannah, yeah, mm-hmm. like he purposefully goes to flirt with her, to mm-hmm. hit on her, to get any and all information out mm-hmm. of her that he can that hasn't been said at trial. Yeah. And that's just a bit... And yeah, and in a very like underhanded way where he's like courting her mm-hmm. just so he can acquire information. And this poor girl probably thinks like she won the lottery, like she won the handsome, you know, yeah. man. And he's doing this under his boss's orders mm-hmm. and his boss is like, if you get into trouble with her, mm-hmm. like I'll bail you out. So Peter yeah. is also being quite terrible here because he's yep. full well instructing him to do this thing. Yeah, he's like, yeah, if you get brought up on breach of promise charges, I will, I'll, yeah, bail you out of jail, which is so shitty. Shitty. I just need to boo again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's terrible. And, like, poor Hannah, like, you never see, you never see the conclusion of that relationship. Like, you assume that once Bunter gets the information, he probably just, like, Fs off. And yeah, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So that's too bad. And also, can you hit the spoiler alert again? The poor girl's employer turns out to be the murderer. So she loses her job and her boyfriend. Yeah, it's not a good call. There it's should not a be great a spin off about Hannah Westlock and what happened to her. Yeah, and the cook. And wasn't there someone else? There was like a, a manservant. I don't think there was a manservant. No. There was just uh, Mrs. Pettycan, the cook, and Hannah. Uh, I felt like there was a man, maid. but I guess no. Hmm. Hmm. And you're thinking of Bunter, insinuating I, himself in there, <laughs> toasting crumpets. <laughs> I just imagine there were two because there was two women, but he was doing it both. Yeah. yeah. Problematic. 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 All right. Now let's and move then, on to. No, no, no. We got, we got to tackle oh. the thorniest problematic. Thing. Oh no, that's what yeah. I meant. Yeah. Oh, okay. The, thor- the thorniest of thorns. The thorniest of thorns, <laughs> which would be Freddie Arbuthnot, who is Whimsy's buddy. Mm-hmm. And all of his um, cultural stereotypes about Jewish people. Mm. Yeah. So, no excuse that he's marrying one. 
no excuse that he's marrying one. Someone worse. (laughs) Yeah, and like the fact that he is presenting these cultural stereotypes as positive things Mm. is also no excuse. No, yeah, yeah. So we've had we've been having conversations about how a lot of our books that we cover are of a certain time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And up until now, which won't always be the case, but up until now they have always been by white authors. Yep. And featuring white characters. Featuring white characters. And so we have talked um, in the past in episodes and be like, oh, well, it's part of the time period yeah. that these prejudices were very rife. Um, and maybe that's not good enough in terms of... Well, it's it's just like a it's a it's an easy way for us to not put a more critical lens mm-hmm. on this, but also to remind readers that just because that was the time period does not mean that black and people of color mm-hmm. um, did not live in these times, and that these yeah. characters potentially were not crossing yeah. their. Um, you know, and in fact, these authors were probably mm-hmm. having interactions with these people, mm-hmm. but that they were erased from the narratives yeah. because they were just like considered not important, like that they weren't a po- an important part of the story. Yeah. Or their lives were so segregated that. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't something that was worth mentioning. Yeah. yeah. So like this time in England, like it would not have been an mm-hmm. all white England. Absolutely not. No. Um, and yeah, unfortunately like these stereotypes, like, um, even the way he tells Whimsy, he's mm-hmm. like sheepish about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of like, oh, by the way, I'm in love with this woman. I'm yeah. Getting married I'm getting to married. Her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where like you can imagine how it was he marrying like a wealthy white, like socialite, mm-hmm. it would be splashed all over the papers. But yeah. this is like secret telling his best friend in like a side drawing room, not even celebrating with mm-hmm. the rest of the party. And to be fair, it's not clear that that's why it, you know, it could be that Freddie Arbuthnot is just like a real weird, shy weirdo, shy which I think he is a bit of a weirdo. So maybe he would have been like that because I think the woman he's marrying, they are, they are socialites. They are very rich. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really, it's not clear. It's not clear. Yeah. At all. And not cool. Not cool. Um, so yeah, just again, like these next four books are all going to be taking place in this world in this time period. And yeah. we're going to keep reminding everybody of this in every episode <laughs> yeah. because it's important to recognize and to mention. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, when we don't mention it, then it just kind of allows lots of these wonderful books to just kind of erase mm-hmm. and to provide that blinders over what the mm-hmm. world really would have looked like. Exactly. Yeah. All right. All right. Pull up prompt. Ain't that a name? Names in the book that deserve a mention. Well, there are some good names in this book. There are some good (laughs) names. I don't think any of our writers are going to top Marjorie Allingham. No. But uh, so so this, I feel like this book has names that range from like just good solid names that you like to Mm -hmm. like the ridiculous. So I'm going to start off with Waffles Newton. (laughs) (laughs) Which is clearly just a good solid name that anyone should consider. Anyone should consider for their unborn child. If you like Waffles, if you like Fig Newton, (laughs) like just put that together. Waffles Newton. It's perfect for the foodie. (laughs) (laughs) 
I definitely like Kitty Clemson's mm-hmm. name. I feel like it's a very, like, you could just see, like, Kitty Clemson, amateur detective. Like, <laughs> like yeah. you know, she could have her own spinoff, her own show. She could mm-hmm. have been, like, a superhero in the 20s with that kind of name. So true. I would so watch that show. Yeah. And you don't meet, I mean, I haven't met anyone in this time period who was named Kitty no. Um, but it used to be mm-hmm. like you could be a Catherine, you could be a Kate, you could, and then Kitty would be like a mm-hmm. nickname. And those kinds of nicknames have really fallen out of favor. Mm-hmm. It's true. Sadly. It's so sad. Um, and I like how she signs all her letters with her full name, Catherine Alexandra Clemson. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's good yeah, all the way that's around. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the lawyer for the defense, his name is Sir Impy Biggs. <laughs> And they call him Biggie. <laughs> Why not? What so, Impy Biggie? <laughs> or just Impy is, is good enough. I don't know. Yeah. And as a side note, he keeps canaries and enters <laughs> competitions with them. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, There's so that. Good. Oh, that's Ooh. not what I meant to do. Show the belt holes for the canary. <laughs> I meant to do this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about uh, what else we have here? Um, Bunter. Bunter. Oh my goodness. What kind of name is Bunter? I mean, obviously it's a last name. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember what Bunter's first name is? Oh, I don't. Do you? I do. What is it? Mervin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mervin. Yeah. Unfortunate. No wonder he just goes by Bunter. Yeah. And as a side note as well here, um, Dorothy Sayers had some very good friends who named their dog Bunter after Bunter. Uh, well, that is a good name for a dog. Mm-hmm. And they also had a cat named Timothy White, not after one of her characters. So I thought that's a good cat. <laughs> Anytime that a cat has like two. <laughs> that's a last name. That's a last name. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, Who else is there? Oh, yeah. They have a friend at Christmas, uh, the Whimsies Christmas party, whose name is Mrs. Freak Dimsworthy. I'm going to call her Freaky. <laughs> Yeah. It's because like Miss F- Mrs. F- like who calls someone freak and then they're like freaky. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. It's amazing. I would like to point out that the family of Rum have like yes. a wonderful little thing about the name because yeah. when he's taking oh what's her name? Uh, Miss Murchison. Miss Murchison to say like they have like this back and forth where he's like rum and she's like what's their name rum you don't know their name like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like it's rum and she's like oh that's not very surprising if he's a lock picker she's like no no and then dash it all rum is his name <laughs> and he won't use it anymore because he used to be an alcoholic yes. and now he's a teetotaler so he's like I won't use my name my yeah. last name anymore oh so funny yeah. and then Cremorna Garden oh yeah which is a stage name but still Still, how do you pick that? Have you ever heard the name Cremorna? No. No, me either. I I feel like if you wanted to be an actress nowadays, Mm. someone would be like, "Uh, you got to change that. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not. No, maybe it's come all all the way back around. Cremorna. Cremorna. I I, I just don't know. Does it remind you of cremation? Yeah, that and mourning, like both together. And also like what would be the short form of that? Like creme. Creme or Morna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. It's not good. No. No. And like her real name was really nice. Rosanna Rayburn. Yeah. Cremorna Garden. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, maybe it was for like not to have her family associated with it mm. because actresses were looked down upon. And they did kick her out. 
And they did kick her out, even with the pseudonym. So then she should have been like, well, then I'm going <laughs> to take this. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just want to mention, because I remember you being like, what the hell kind of name is this? Ilunid. Oh, yes. <laughs> I have heard that name before, but I don't think it's very common. Yeah. I like Ilunid's attitude. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I have some things to say about Ilunid's attitude. We'll get to that. <laughs> but yeah, um, those are like the funniest names, I think. I mean, as this is the first whimsy book, like Lord Peter Whimsy, that's a damn good name for a recurring character. And Whimsy so sums up like Mm -hmm. who he, like he's really embodied that name. He really has. Yeah. Yeah. And Harriet Vane is a good name too. Harriet Vane is a good name. Mm -hmm. It's got a nice solid ring to it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Good name for like a, a novelist. Yes. Yes, I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't often see the name Harriet anymore. No. 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 All right. All right. Names. All right. So we're into building a mystery. So this is definitely going to be. Indeed. Full on going through the plot and picking it apart. Let's pick it apart. So, Philip Boys mm-hmm. is a deceased. Yes. He's been murdered by arsenic. Mm-hmm. Harriet has stood for trial. She has not been found guilty because Kitty Clemson happened to be on the jury <laughs> and was like, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it resulted in a hung jury. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter doesn't say why, but he just can feel, perhaps because of his love or mm-hmm. how Harriet has presented things that, like, mm-hmm. She is innocent. And in fact, some of his, some of the reasoning, because there's almost too much mm-hmm. evidence against her. That's really the only thing he says to Parker is like, when it's so tied up like this, you should suspect it. Yeah. Um, and maybe he just thought like, she's a really intelligent person. She wouldn't have done something so stupid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because funnily enough, Harriet is not guilty, no. but she has, she is a murder <laughs> mystery writer. Yeah. And she was researching mm-hmm. arsenic poisoning mm-hmm. and happened to see the decease on the night of his uh-huh. death. Um, happened to have purchased a bunch of different poisons under fake names under, as part of her book research. Yeah. And had also had an out with him. Mm-hmm. So she had motive. Yeah. Because we, I don't think we even said it, that they were lovers. They were lovers. They were, well, I kind of said it because she was shamed for living right, with him right. with mm-hmm. and getting it on. Yeah. But uh, funnily enough, she says that she moved in with him after being persistent, like he pushed her to it for so long without, um, but said his convictions mm-hmm. wouldn't allow him to marry her. Yeah. And then they were married for, like, they, I mean, they were living together for a year and then he was like, well, let's just get married. And she was like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was so offended. And which is so interesting because this is, again, we could talk about this in the feminism, but we might as well talk about it now. The judge and most of the jury probably just can't wrap their heads around that. They're like, but he was willing to marry her. Yeah. So how could she have been mad at yeah. him? Yeah. And so, Whimsy's one of the only ones who understands that like, no, no, that's like a huge insult. Yeah. It's a yeah. principle. It's the better. It's a matter of principle. It's like she sacrificed 
her pride because unfortunately in that time moving in mm-hmm. with a man unmarried, like she had to work to come to that decision. She mm-hmm. lived with that decision. And then he was like, Oh, now I'll legitimize yeah, you. Like and you she, proved yourself. Yeah. And she yeah. was like, was this a test? Was yeah. this a trial run? Like, how dare mm-hmm. you? And I think it just really made it clear to her what kind of person yeah. he was yeah. and that she, um, yeah, may have been a little bit blind to, yeah, well, it's really interesting because there's a couple of moments where you get a little bit of insight where Peter asks her the first meeting they have, did you love him? Mm. And she was just, she thought about it and she said, I guess I must have, mustn't I, like considering what I did. Mm-hmm. And Peter's like, well, not necessarily. You could have been like, you could have felt sorry for him. You could have been badgered by him. You could mm-hmm. have, you know, been like, you know, sort of mesmerized by him or whatever. And she's like, yeah, a little bit of all of that. Mm-hmm. And then later on when he's talking to his friend Marjorie, who's like one, an artist and in with that crowd and he's asking her about the whole situation and he's like, did you like Philip boys? And she's like, no, he never stirred a heartbeat. Mm. And Peter's like, no, I'm saying like, did you like him? And she's mm-hmm. like, well, you didn't, you either fell for him or not. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it gives you a little bit of an indication of how that dynamic went between Harriet and Philip. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's also part of the reason why she's convicted because they can, they're like, your reason for breaking up with him doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense. So you were clearly like, that's not the truth. Right. So you're clearly guilty. Right. Yeah. But we, so Peter gets on the case Mm -hmm. and he enlists... Kitty Clemson. Kitty Clemson. Who is kind of, I guess, the lead. Like, she runs his cattery. His cattery. His uh, <laughs> typing bureau. His typing bureau, which is really full of, like, secret agents. Yeah. Women who society has overlooked or discarded for one reason or another that he has gathered together mm-hmm. to serve as his private detective army. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Though he also has the official, like, he has a very strong relationship with um, Inspector Parker. Mm-hmm. So he also gets the police to do some work because yeah. he tries to track down the white powder. Right. Yeah. Um, which is sort of the red herring of the thing. The idea that he may, that um, boys, Philip boys may have committed suicide. Yeah. And ki- and killed himself with the arsenic. Yeah. But it's interesting because that gets resolved, I would say, like around the halfway point mm-hmm. where they find the white powder. It turns out to be baking soda. And then it really, around that time, all the other information that he's set into motion from Miss Murchison, from, you know, um, Freddie or Buthnot, from Bunter, it all starts to come together and he starts to understand that it was Norman Urquhart, Philip Boyce's cousin, and then the whole plot shifts from a who done it to a how done it. Yeah, and how do we get the proof? How do we get the proof? How do we find the motive, get the proof of it, get the proof of the arsenic, and figure out how he administered it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so Norman Urquhart is uh, Philip Boyce's cousin. Mm-hmm. And it has long been said that, like, Philip Boyce was a, a somewhat destitute writer, like yeah. not super successful. Harriet was more successful. Harriet was basically supporting both of them. Yeah, which I think, again, the jury damned her for. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Norman was his rich lawyer cousin mm-hmm. who was had cultivated a relationship over the last few years. And so right. he also dined with Philip the night of his death. Yep. And what we discover is that Cremorna Garden mm-hmm. is both of their great aunt. Yeah. Yeah. And while everyone is under the impression publicly that Norman is the beneficiary of her will mm-hmm. 
it turns out that no, it was Philip. Yep. And so Norman has been aware of this since the entire time as a solicitor mm-hmm. and has planned his cousin's death for years. For years and years and years. <laughs> because the one thing no one could figure out was how he was administered the arsenic because the meal, the last meal he yeah. had was shared by multiple people. Yeah. Except for the omelet, which was only shared between Philip and Norman. There's so much freaking detail about this omelet. There is so much instructions. And this is not the first book that we've read about where someone has cooked an omelet at a table back in the day. Yeah. I, like, I want to do it. You not do? with you, but... No. <laughs> Are you going to fill it with hot I jam? I just want to invite people over and be like, and have the omelet, which I will cook right here at the table. <laughs> I'm like, what? You don't really serve omelets when people come over either anymore. That's why. Because they will stand around too long and get tough. But you are... I've had a good omelet at a restaurant. That's because they're cooking it right away and bringing it straight out to you. Well, the straight out is sometimes debatable. Well, I don't know. The judge was very adamant. Oh my God, the judge. I love the judge. Stops like, in, his, <laughs> stops in his summing up to be like, I advise you to only eat omelets this way. Yeah. So yeah, they couldn't figure out how the arsenic got. So there was that white powder that they mm-hmm. were like this, or they thought Harriet had done it with mm-hmm. the coffee because mm-hmm. it could have been the sugar. Right. Um, and yeah. And like the, both the maid and the cook had all the meal except for the eggs, which were broken there. Mm-hmm. But at some point you discover that Mr. Urquhart had bought the eggs that day, come home mm-hmm. and told Hannah, mm-hmm. like, Oh, one of them has a slight little crack. In it, so we'll eat that one tonight. Mm-hmm. And so what he done was he put the and the reason he didn't die, this is the truly, like, this is the truly diabolical, yeah. like long game where he has been like building a relationship with his cousin mm-hmm. at that, the same time, at the same time as like poisoning, slowly po- working up an in- a tolerance to arsenic so he can eventually poison mm-hmm. his cousin. And it's not even for the inheritance. No. Because it is, but it isn't. Because he's actually already spent the inheritance. Yeah. And if Philip Boys dies, then no one finds out that he did that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, like he already took the money. Yeah. Like, <laughs> What's really the worst is going to happen? Philip Boyce is going to be mad at you? <laughs> You're going to go to jail? Like, oh God. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty brutal. And so, okay, something I really want to touch on here uh-huh. is that all the extraordinary coincidences that led, as you were mentioning. So he's clearly been playing this for years. Years. And in those years, leading up to the time when he finally had enough tolerance built up that he could carry out his diabolical plan, in the meantime, Harriet and Philip have an argument, they break up, she moves out, she decides to write and research a book about poisoning in which she goes and buys arsenic. Arsenic! Philip goes on the very night that you decide to poison him to see Harriet where she gives him coffee. No one else is there. And like... All of that, it must have seemed to Norman Urquhart like signs from God. It must have seemed like signs from God, especially because if not for Harriet, Mm -hmm. then what would they have thought had happened to Philip Boyce? Well, I think Philip Boyce always thought that it would just be passed off as gastritis because it was something that Philip Boyce had throughout his life, which was initially what the doctor said the cause of death was. Right. But wasn't there something, the reason they looked into it was Mm -hmm. because... One of the nurses was the like, that nurses. looks an awful lot like poisoning. Right. And so she kind of flopped her mouth mm-hmm. off. But <laughs> I 
just want this to be a cautionary tale for our mm-hmm. listeners. Don't go buy our, buying our snack. Well, that's not the cautionary tale. Under multiple different names. The cautionary tale <laughs> is the universe isn't sending you signs. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. But Philip Norman Urquhart gets caught in the end. He does. He does. He shouldn't yeah. have killed Philip Boyce, even though it appeared that the universe was sending him signs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially because yeah. probably when he pl- first planned this thing, like Harriet and Philip were like... Yeah. Happy together. Yep. What if Harriet had been like, "Yes, honey, let's get married." Oh, I'm pregnant. And he would have been like, "Do do 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 do." Still gonna murder you. <laughs> yeah, but then like, all the money would have gone to his child. Oh anyway. no! And then <laughs> and then he would have had to. Oh, what a slippery slope he what got a himself slippery on. Slope, yeah. I know, mm. like a long plan, but like also like. So many things could have gone wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that so many things went right, eerily right. Eerily right. Weirdly, weirdly lining up. Yeah. Yeah. But then in the end, all because Whimsy fell in love with Harriet. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just think it's amazing. Oh. It's it's quite amazing. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny that's never like referenced in the book. No one's like, Kent, what are the odds? <laughs> This, all these things would happen. I also think it's funny that Cremorna Garden made mm. Philip Boys her, mm-hmm. like, heir, mm-hmm. and, like, never reached out to him before she became, like, a complete invalid. <laughs> that is true. That's very weird. Yeah, to, like, be like, FYI. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she was at that point in her life where she was like, I'm going to do this as a gesture, mm. but I'm just really over meeting people and making small talk. It's true. She was probably like, Norman, <laughs> yeah. you're just your cousin. All's forgiven. Yeah. He's going to get the money. Yeah. Oy <laughs> vey. You can see that. Um, I do love at the very beginning when Whimsy and Miss Clemson break it down, like they mm. get together and they're like, why do people kill people? And they basically lay out all the potential reasons, right. including inheritance, which is one of them, but they don't see how it fits in at that point. But right. like, and Miss Clemson's even like, what an orderly mind you have. <laughs> and they have this great conversation over tea. Oh, it is so good. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. And then I was also thinking about in terms of building the mystery and, and breaking it down, two things. Um, one, Harriet's friend Sylvia, again, like, oh, yes. we had this in um, Assertive Lampreys, right, at the very beginning when mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they, Frid and uh, somebody is like, oh, I think it's, you know. Is it one of the twins? The twins? The twins. The twins, the twins no. no, yeah. And likewise, um, she's like, yeah, I think his cousin did it. And Peter is like, oh, why? And Ilunid is like, female intuition she doesn't like the way he does his hair (laughs) and she's like i only said he was too sleek for words which is actually Actually a sign of arsenic poisoning yeah that he'd been slowly giving himself arsenic it makes his hair oily and his skin really like yeah yeah there was something off and she Mm -hmm. was like "Mm." yeah so i thought that was really good and also i was thinking about it so whimsy's like this mastermind um, who gets all the credit for like all the solving of the crimes, but really like he does put it all together and he does mm-hmm. like direct people and be like, you do this he and that. He puts all these people into play. Yeah. But all of the legwork is it's Miss Clemson, it's Miss Murchison, mm-hmm. it's Bunter and it's Freddie Arbuthnot. Mm-hmm. They're the mm-hmm. ones who do all of the actual sleuthing, Yeah, which is really interesting because I feel like in the other books that we've seen you, you see like the detective outdoing the detecting. Outdoing the work. Where in this one, there's a lot of other people who get to share the spotlight. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things that because 
he is really not sure what's happening. He's yeah. sending off all these things. Yeah. That for one thing, he's kind of like a spider twinging a whole different parts of his web, being mm-hmm. like anything, anything. Mm-hmm. But also that because he's so recognizable, right? And someone has clearly murdered Philip Boyce yeah. and gotten away with it. Mm-hmm. That he, I think he like knows it. He could not go down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he could not do what Miss Kitty Clemson does. My God. I just want to say the actions <laughs> of Kitty Clemson and Helen Murchison are like truly heroic. It's true. And also, like, if Helen Murchison had not been on her game and been like, mm. ooh, I saw something go mm-hmm. by and I happen to know because I used to work for a financial guy, mm-hmm. like, this company is not a good thing. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, but that's also, it does, it is a certain credit to Peter because he has recruited all these people. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 So, yeah. Yeah. He has a good team. He's got a good team. And yeah, it is one of the only ones where we see a team effort like this, I think. Yeah. So much of a team effort. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All righty. I think it's me. All right. Fave character and honorable mention. Plus a bonus. Oh, well, I'd have to say my favorite character in this book is Kitty Clemson. Mm-hmm. Uh, her letters <laughs> are just amazing. So full the of italics. Yeah. And also, every once in a while, like capitalize. Oh, yeah. The all but caps. like her feelings. Like, yeah, and they're so rambling. Like they go off into many tangents. Yeah. And so detailed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, like her steadfastness, mm-hmm. her determination. Mm-hmm. Uh, her just like her gonna get the job done attitude. Yeah. And whatever it takes. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite amazing. There's like, I love the part where he first tells her what she has to do, mm-hmm. which is like pretty insane. Yeah. Like he is, he gives her like nothing to work. Yeah. He tells her, hold on. I've got it right here. Um, I want you to go to Wendell in Westmoreland and get hold of an imbecile and paralyzed old lady called Mrs. Rayburn who lives at a house called Applefold. I don't know who looks after her or how you are to get into the house, but you've got to do it and you've got to find out where her will is kept and if possible, see it. And what's worse, you've only got about a week to do it in. (laughs) (laughs) And then Miss Clemson, here's her response. I see, said Miss Clemson. Well, none of us can do more than our best, and it is very necessary to have faith. That moves mountains, we are told. <laughs> and does she not move mountains? She moves mountains. That woman, I yep. tell you. Yeah. 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 And Miss Murchison also mm-hmm. goes the extra mile totally. when they're like, you're probably going to have to break the law and like lockpick. And she's like, lockpick. They're like, oh, well, we can teach you. And she's like, okay. Yeah. And okay. he's like, you know, if you get caught and you go to jail, like I'll help you. And she's like, I assumed. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, yep, well, it's all in the game. Like I'll do it. And he's like, really? <laughs> and she's like, mm-hmm. and he's like, well, great. <laughs> he seems so surprised. And yeah. on that note, we totally forgot to say when we were doing names. Oh, who do we forget? The names on the deed oh, boxes the in the boxes. office. Okay. <laughs> oh, right. Here oh. we go. Okay. Mortimer, Scroggins, Lord Coote, Dalby Brass and Wingfield, Bodgers, Sir J. Penkridge, Flatsby and Coton, True Body Limited, and Universal Bone Trust. Oh, Universal Bone <laughs> Trust. <laughs> oh, a great oh, group of names. So good. Yeah. Okay, who's your honorable mention? Honorable mention. Well, you know, I, I, based on all this conversation, I would have to say Miss Merchantson. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I was floating around. I had picked the dowager. I'd mm-hmm. picked the judge both for like little moments that they'd had mm-hmm. and the judges spiel about omelets. But I feel like Miss <laughs> Martinson, like she and Kitty are the, the true stars and the they true are. sluice of this thing. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I also, um, they would probably also be my two faves, oh. but I'm going to pick different ones. If you okay. has, um, I'm going to pick Harriet, okay. my favorite. Yeah. Um, Harriet is not in this book as much as she's in the other ones in the series, but the little bits we see of her, she does come across as like very composed, very strong, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, very intelligent, mm-hmm. and very sort of... I would say there's an there's an intriguing quality to her because mm-hmm. she's reserved. She is. And you want to know more. Yeah, and she's very much like she is in a terrifying situation and she's by all means like she's not um she's not freaking out, but she's also not unaffected. Yes. Like she's just handling herself really, really well. Mm-hmm. And like even her publishers, like with, you know, like rare courage, she's like finished her draft and like done the edits and the corrected the proofs what, like from jail. Mm. And she's very like, she's got, um, she's got a lot of like toughness to her. Yeah. And she's also got like a great sense of humor. And there are moments when she and Whimsy might be like joking. And then all of a sudden, like you can see it hit her. Again, like she forgot for a second what was happening and then it like comes over her and she gets a little like, oh, like, right, I'm in jail on accused of murder. And yeah. she really doesn't think she's that he's going to get her off. No. no. And I mean, while she, um, you know, had dumped Philip Boyce and was kind of like that guy. Mm-hmm. At the same time, like this was someone that she had loved maybe infatuated mm-hmm. with been had the wool pull over her eyes a bit like yeah. you know and lived with and now yeah. he's dead yeah. and like she's gonna go to jail like she's gonna be hung 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 yeah which is just ooh. yeah yeah it's horrifying horrifying for his murder which she did not commit but also mm-hmm. like she, he was someone she greatly cared about mm-hmm. you can't Im- imagine there's also a bit of mourning like she dumped him she did not murder him no yeah and also like the guilt that i think she mm. feels for um being in that situation which then led her to be in this situation because i think she recognizes on some level that the very much society is like conflating her living in sin quote unquote with her being capable of murder yeah if she's a sinner she's mm-hmm. a sinner <laughs> yeah so i think she's kind of like oh my god like what have i done kind of thing not in that she killed him but in that she's like a fallen woman mm-hmm. in the eyes of society and so therefore like not worth um yeah like vouching for or whatever yeah um my honorable mention i think i'm gonna pick ilunid price (laughs) she's one of sylvia's or sylvia and ilunid are harriet's friends yeah and uh they're both quite funny ilunid is like uh very feminist character. So great. Yeah. She gets mad at whimsy when he, she's making tea or coffee and he like goes over to like take the kettle from her and carry it over. And she's like, no, thank you. I'm quite capable of carrying six pints of water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good. I do like Iluna. She's yeah. Good. All right. Do you want to pick a prompt from oh, the character okay. question? Oh, which character would you drop into a heist movie? Oh, this is a good one. Yeah, this is a good one. Which mm. character would you? 
Oh my God. I know who I would pick. <sighs> Which character would you drop into a heist movie? Well, I do feel like rum. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. He's a lock picker. He's a lock picker. Like they're totally like he could be, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, the reformed lock picker that has yeah. been like, uh, recruited you know, for a worthy cause. Yeah. For a worthy cause yeah. that yeah. he has to, you know, blend his, but also like, Oh, frick. Like it's Clemson. Clemson. It's Clemson. Yeah. She, what can't she do? I don't know. We haven't found it yet. <laughs> we haven't found it yet. Yeah. Oh, Miss Clemson is magic. <laughs> <laughs> so one of those two. Yeah. All right. Next up. All right. This magic moment. More magic. Magic. Favorite parts. All right. Well, for me, the seance. <laughs> yes. Oh is my quite the god. Highlight. Well, even like actually, I guess it, not just the one seance. It's mm-hmm. the buildup of Miss mm-hmm. Clemson finding this nurse. Yes. Befriending this nurse. <laughs> just and then that moment where like it's described where she sees her whole plan. She's yes, like, I love that I've part. I've got this. I will do this thing and reveals an astonishing amount of knowledge about mm-hmm. how to perform a fake seance. I mean, not that they're real, like <laughs> a, a seance. <laughs> but yeah, it's really interesting because I think we've seen this in some of our other books too, but yeah. spiritualism was a huge thing, a huge fad back mm-hmm, then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like in the twenties, which is when this was set, like it, was nearing the end of mm-hmm. its of its fad, but she would have because it mentions how she before hooking up with Whimsy and becoming the leader of the cattery, she really like her job was to be like paid companion to like elderly women and rich rich older women. She would have seen this happen a she lot. She would have seen it a lot. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, how she manipulates this woman, but at the same time is trying to like instill doubt in the woman yes. as to the other lady who's performing <laughs> seances to scam her. Yeah is amazing and then the seance itself and then even trying to like then successfully convincing the woman that the spirit the almost passing spirit of Cremorna Garden is like sending a message about her will and then like convincing her to search the house yeah and then like you know finding the will and like what does she do iron it open like while the woman's it open yeah steams it open with the kettle because they're making tea Uh it's just like I know it's like it's breathtaking. It's breathtaking. (laughs) But I do. You mentioned this, and I just have to. I have to read the bit when she sees the nurse um, reading the book about spirituality. Mm. It says, "In a single moment of illumination, Miss Clemson saw her plan complete and perfect in every detail. It involved a course of deception from which her conscience shrank appalled, but it was certain." She wrestled with the demon. Even in a righteous cause, could anything so wicked be justified? She breathed what she thought was a prayer for guidance, but the only answer was a small whisper in her ear. Oh, jolly good work, Miss Clemson. And the voice was the voice of Peter Whimsy. (laughs) (laughs) So good. (laughs) So good. Oh, so good. Yeah, she's always, like, finding ways to justify to her conscience. Like, Mm -hmm. doesn't she say at one point, this might be in a different book where she's like, you know, there are very different roles for people involved in warfare and spies, and I trust I may be able to come under that umbrella or something. <laughs> Indeed. I feel like yeah. both Clemson and Merchantson, like, show, like, 
the the real strength and like capability mm-hmm. of women mm-hmm. when given a little bit of leeway and been like yep. use your smarts yep do what you have to do and they're both like okay yeah I freaking got this I got this <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah they're great yeah yeah so I love that entire seance mm-hmm. situation and I also love like leading up to that when she's trying to find the nurse like that those few <sighs> days where she's just like hopping from like cafe to cafe and tea shop to tea shop and she's just like has to eat so many meals and at one point it's like she was struggling with her fifth meal in like <laughs> this place when she saw her go by yeah that part's amazing too yeah um, what else is a favorite part? Um, I like it when whimsy at the very beginning, um, cause Miss Clemson was on the original jury, mm-hmm. which again is like a coincidence. Oh, such a coincidence. Which was great. Cause she was the one who basically hung the jury. Yeah. Wouldn't give in. And, um, so whimsy takes her out for dinner afterwards. And then when he's meeting with the lawyers, they're like, Oh, I wish we knew like what it was. And he's like, well, I can tell you cause I know one of the jury members. And he basically describes like all the various things that prejudiced them. And like one of them was one of the women didn't believe in medical evidence, just blanket, (laughs) like across the board. She's like, Nope. And then like another one of them was just trying to like bully the other one. And then they got annoyed. And then the artist said that he alarmed the jury by like saying he was accustomed to a stale atmosphere and late nights. So he didn't (laughs) care how long they stayed. And everyone was like, ah, (laughs) and the the lawyers are like, how interesting. Like we go to all this trouble presenting evidence and it doesn't really matter. (laughs) So that part's good. Yeah. Um, and then when Mimsy gives, uh, Inspector Parker a little shove to Mm. propose to his sister. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Parker's been like in love with Mimsy's sister for like five years. Yeah. And, uh, they meet in the novel, which one clouds of witness. Okay. Yep. And he's been in love with her ever since. Mm-hmm. And Whimsy's so distraught about Harriet possibly getting hanged when the case is going nowhere. He's mm-hmm. like, I need to like bring some happiness into this world however I can. So he goes to see Parker and he's like, what is your problem? <laughs> he's like, cough up the difficulty and we'll have it removed in a plain van. <laughs> I do like it because like he first has a conversation with his sister being mm-hmm. like, what's going on here? Yeah. She's just like, eh? yeah, I just keep meeting with him. He just keeps yeah. showing up. And She's wearing pajamas that she designed. And she's like, I fear he would prefer an old-fashioned nightgown. <laughs> and Whimsy's like, well, are you willing to sacrifice? And she's like, I will cast off my pajamas here and now. And Whimsy's like, not here and now. <laughs> so good. Made me so curious, though. She's wearing pajamas that she designed. Mm. Well, again, she's like a rich, idle woman with it's nothing tr- to do, right? It's true. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah, and I think there's also that moment between Harriet and Whimsy in which they like kind of crafted mystery novel together. Yes, yeah. that is just that little bit that we need to see that under different circumstances, mm-hmm. when she isn't in jail, mm-hmm. like when Peter isn't so forceful with his intentions, like yeah. there is a real meeting of the mind. Yeah, there's a real connection there. Mm-hmm. They have a good back and forth and like similar sense of humor and they really can like enjoy each other's company. Mm-hmm. And she's a mystery writer and he loves to solve mysteries. Mm-hmm. So. And I do love the part where she's like, when they are talking about marriage, which as we said was problematic, but she says, he's like, oh, I could give you lots of plots for your books. Yeah. And she's like, but you wouldn't want a wife who wrote books. Because back then, like, women didn't work after they were married. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I would. Of course I would. Like, be way more interesting than a wife who only cared about people and clothes. Um, And she was just like, oh, 
like, okay, like he's different than other men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is a real nice meeting of the minds there. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. What are we at? Ooh, is there any? Okay. Does anybody wind somebody's little ball of yarn in this book? Ooh. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Wind somebody's little ball of yarn. I mean, I know what it means because these are all sex euphemisms, but. Like, oh, I don't know, like to wind somebody up? I'm not sure. Maybe. <clears throat> I don't huh. know. Yeah. There is not, though Peter does boast of his lovemaking capabilities quite early on. Mm-hmm. I think it's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. He <laughs> just met her. Yep. He basically offers her references. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, hold on. <clears throat> it's an... That's a bad look. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, he's like, oh, I've had several lovers. Mm-hmm. And she's, because she's like, well, you don't want to marry me. Like, I've had a lover. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I don't mind. I've had several. But it's just like one of those things where you realize it's the double standards, right? Where like it's not a big deal for him to have had several lovers, where for her it's a huge deal that she's had one. Yeah. 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 Um, and similarly, Cremona Garden was also oh, like yeah. shunned by her family for being an actress. Yeah, um, because back in the day, unfortunately, mm-hmm. like actresses were considered the one step up from like prostitution because mm-hmm. they wore makeup, they wore like more attractive clothes. Mm-hmm. They, they had lots of like probably men sending them flowers or courting them. Yeah, or... and they could be from different backgrounds and mm-hmm. they could be lower class who were suddenly elevated up and yep. like the aristocracy would not stand for right. that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah. Mostly just references to sex. No actual winding no actual of yarn sex. in the book. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Feminism 101, Queens of Crime. Ooh. So I think basically what we're going to talk about here is the many, many different ways that Dorothy Sayers very cleverly presents perspectives on women Mm, okay, from lots of different angles. So I think it's really interesting because it's not, um, it's not a overtly didactic book. Like it's not telling you, here's how you should think about women, Okay, but it is presenting you with various characters who all have different ideas and are very vocal about them. Mm Mm-hmm. And the characters that you're rooting for are tend to be the ones who have more progressive ideas. And then, as you said, you get to see Miss Clemson and Miss Murchison given the opportunity to use their brains, to use their like cunning and their mm-hmm. like abilities, like really excelling. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have Harriet, who in the narrative, like objectively, quote unquote, from like what the Dorothy L. Sayers is describing her and presenting her as she's like independent she's successful mm. she's strong she's likable and yeah. you're rooting for her because you know she's been imprisoned um wrongly yeah um and that but then you also hear like the judge the way he refers to her all of whimsy's friends and family at christmas and the way they're talking about her mm. everyone's just like assuming she's guilty because she didn't marry Philip Boys and lived with him. Yeah. Um, even like Philip Boys's father, who's like a pretty gentle soul, is also like, yeah, like I didn't want to see her or meet her. Like Philip knew that would be painful to me. 
Mm. You know, like all that kind of bullshit. Um, and then like, what's that part at their Christmas dinner? When yeah, like everyone, they start talking about because mm-hmm. it's it's all been all over the papers. Like yeah, it's, it's the a thing huge that thing. people are talking about. Mm-hmm. Harriet Vane, the murder mystery murderess. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they're all quite damning of her. Yeah, and some and Peter says something like, "Oh, like she's a you know she writes detective fiction. It's like the purest literature we have. Like everyone's always mm-hmm. you know like it's." Someone says something about like, well, she doesn't seem to have tried that way of living, like Mm. meaning like, you know, the pure good way of living. And they're very, it's very like dismissive. It's very like derisive. They're Mm -hmm. very much like, you know, she's, she's done something very wrong in their eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have to wonder if the, much like today, like sensational media, like mm-hmm. she was arrested, like mm-hmm. she's a murder mystery writer. Mm-hmm. There was all this evidence against her. Like she was living in sin. Like it's yeah. all been blown up. Like, yeah, yeah. is there any other narrative that mm-hmm. the media would have spun? No. Then she did it. Exactly. And she's a fallen woman and this is what fallen women do. Yeah. Like beware. Like it's a cautionary yeah. tale kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like society is here for it. They're all like, yes, let's all damn her. Like, right. Because she, the, actually the crime she committed is like not abiding by their rules. Yeah. Yeah. So they can't sanction that. They have to like make her into an outcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like you have Ryland Vaughn, who is Philip Boyce's friend, who's like heartbroken. Right. That he's dead. And then you have Ilunid Price, who is Harriet's friend. And I yeah. feel like they're kind of like two sides because they both kind of tell whimsy two sides of one story. Okay. Where he goes to sort of infiltrate the like art scene to sort of like meet Ryland Vaughn and figure out if he could be a potential murderer. And mm-hmm. Rylan Vaughn is like drunk and, you know, weepy and all like sad. And Peter's like, oh, I don't think he did it. Like he's genuinely upset that mm-hmm. Philip Boyce is dead. But he says all this stuff to her, to um, Whimsy about like clearly he hated Harriet. Yeah. But he says a lot of like really general things about women too. He says, um, Harriet Vane's got the bug all these damned women have got. Fancy they can do things. They hate a man and they hate his work. You'd think it would have been enough for her to help and look after a genius like Phil, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, I I, I definitely think that's, it's still an attitude, unfortunately, we see pervading today mm-hmm. where, like, uh, yeah, like a man who, you know, kind of excuse his upbringing and becomes like an artisan writer and mm-hmm. like you know he's in a worthy pursuit and he has a wonderful mind to say yeah but like we hear from lots of people that philip boys's books were not that good they're not that good no not that good but vaughn doesn't seem like he's a genius yeah. well yeah maybe not no I, I think it's very clear that he was not a genius yeah yeah but i'm not sure vaughn actually sees it no no he's no. he's got the blinders on mm-hmm. and yeah like and so harriet is probably even more because from all accounts like she's a good writer yeah and she was much more successful than philip boys was yeah. so she's not just like financially successful but she's got like actual like people say it's, they're good. They're good books. And yeah. so she's an affront to Philip and Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then I says to whimsy later that same night, 
um, there never was much money except what Harriet made, um, and that he couldn't forgive her for making one of him. And Whimsy says, didn't it come in useful? And she says, of course, but he resented it all the same. She ought to have been ministering to his work, not making money for them both with her own independent trash, but that's men all over. Um, and then they have this conversation about how, um, Peter's like, well, people who work hard are generally all right. Basically saying like, it's not just men are bad. Mm. And Ilunid says, um, women geniuses don't get coddled. So they learn not to expect it, mm. which I think is a really good point because Whimsy's like, no, yeah. no, like it's, it's really not that unequal. And she's like, oh, no, it is. Yeah. yeah. Only a man could say that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 So I thought that was really interesting. Um, especially like Ryland's whole thing about like all these damned women who think they can do things like mm. things, not even like he's not even specific enough to be like, I don't think women can write. He's like, yeah. I don't think women can do things, things. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. that's pretty broad. Um, and then again, you have Mr. Pond, who's the clerk in the lawyer's office. Oh, right. Yeah. He's an elderly man, but he like literally says to Whimsy, I think women were better like in society when they adorned and inspired and didn't take any active part in things. Yeah. Um, and then you have Miss Murchison, who is like infiltrated that office as a double agent. But she also like, uses that to her advantage mm -hmm. because she plays that up. She knows he thinks that. And so she acts, she gets able to be left alone in the office to like snoop around by pretending to be flighty and stupid and make mistakes and like yeah. having to stay and correct them and stuff. So she's, yeah, she and Miss Clemson definitely both like use that to their advantage. Yeah. But it's interesting the way like, it's just part of the story. Like you see them doing it, but it's also like a commentary on what the attitudes towards women yeah. were. And also the fact that Miss Merchinson is chosen to work in the agency mm -hmm. because the agency has complained, the lawyer's office has complained that the last secretary got married yep. and now she doesn't work anymore. Yeah. So they want someone who's like unmarriable. Yeah. So Whimsy like literally says like, make sure your skirts are long and not too much makeup. And like, yeah. he doesn't want sex appeal. Like he wants, yeah. Yeah. So it's like a damned mm -hmm. if you do, you have to work, but then like, yeah. And mm -hmm. that's an attitude that still pervades today where mm -hmm. employers are like, oh, like women having babies, mm -hmm. like they're going to leave, they're going to be on maternity leave. Like yeah. what an inconvenience. Yeah. And is there yeah. a part in this one? I can't remember if it's in this book or something else. I said like men work harder once they get families yeah. and women take off. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's like, yeah, because women do all the freaking like housework and yeah. family work and raising and and also because in this time they literally weren't allowed to keep their jobs once. yeah not even if they were pregnant but just if they were married yeah you had to leave your job as soon as you got married yeah. which is part of the main conflict in in gaudy night mm. um do you marry or do you have a career yeah and this is like all these academic women who've made this choice right so yeah. anyway i'm getting ahead but yep um and then there's also like a really telling kind of um, throwaway bit in one of Miss Clemson's letters. And as we've mentioned, her letters are amazing. And Indeed. A bit rambling. And so there's one when she first goes down to Westmoreland to hold seances. She doesn't know that's what she's going to be doing at the time. Um, she says um, she arrived late 
at night on the train and she says, I had no difficulty in getting a comfortable room at the station hotel late as it was. In the old days, an unmarried woman arriving alone at midnight with a suitcase would hardly have been considered respectable. What a wonderful difference one finds today. I am grateful to have lived to see such changes because whatever old-fashioned people may say about the greater decorum and modesty of women in Queen Victoria's time, those who can remember the old conditions know how difficult and humiliating they were. Hmm. So, yeah, that's just kind of like a little paragraph of Miss Clemson's letter, but... Yeah, that progress has been made. Mm-hmm. And there are people like Vaughn who are like, oh, this progress. And yeah. Pond who are like, oh, this progress. Whereas yeah. women are like, oh, like a little bit of leeway. Yeah, a little bit of like being able to live without being humiliated. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot going on in this book in terms of like the attitudes towards women and the different characters and their kind of experiences of the world. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting to to note. Um, yeah. Yeah. You can see where Dorothy Sayers stands, but she's never like um, telling you. She's yeah, just she's showing never lecturing you. you. Yeah, yeah, and I mm-hmm. love that there are different women characters in this book, mm-hmm. and that they are different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like from Lady Mary to yeah. Miss Clemson, Miss Murchison, Harriet. Like, yeah, yeah. Because sometimes, like, you can read a book, even still today, where mm-hmm. you kind of feel like all the female characters are cut out of mm-hmm. a very similar cloth. Yeah. For sure. Even if they're liberal, they're all liberal in the same way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not life. <laughs> all right. All right. What have we got here? The Detective and the Watson. Oh. Well, obviously the detective is Whimsy, Mm -hmm. Lord Peter Whimsy, and the Watson. Well, this is a curious one, Mm -hmm. because as we said, this book has quite the team. Yes. So the Watson, I feel like in this book, is quite up for debate. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be Kitty Clemson. It could be Bunter. It could be Inspector Parker. Mm -hmm. Uh, In other books, it is certainly Inspector Parker. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. In other books, it's Harriet. Right. In other books, it's certainly Bunter. Yeah. I and mean, unfortunately, Kitty Clemson only really has one other book where mm-hmm. she gets to shine. Mm-hmm. But this is this is truly her book. This is this is her crowning achievement. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Yeah, but I do think that that speaks to a difference of the whimsy character as opposed to the others where mm-hmm. they just have that one person that they continually yep. refer to or even a small team because uh, whimsy, I think because he's just a man who's so used to having a lot of mm-hmm. resources right? Yeah, that he really can cast a wide net mm-hmm. and be like, you are best for this job yeah. now. Yeah. And I would say, I guess, over the course of the series, it would really be between Parker and Bunter. Yeah, who I would is, agree. Watson is. Um, that he, both, he bounces ideas off of both of them. Mm-hmm. They both play their role. Like Bunter is, um, does like photographs and fingerprinting. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and Par- but Parker is often the one that is like, what's happening? And he has to like, stop and explain it to him. It's yeah. like a very Watson function. Well, and Bunter and um, more so than I think any of the other books, like Bunter and Whimsy, we see living, mm-hmm. like they live together. Yes. Because Bunter's his manservant. Yeah. And so there's also like a... 
there's a relationship, an odd couple relationship oh, okay. there yeah. where like Bunter also picks out Whimsy's clothes. Yes, like he does. dresses him <laughs> yeah. and they have like, is this the book where there's the big conversation about ties? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then Bunter's also like, oh, I see that you've happened to like have fallen for this person. Like, do I need to find a new employment? Cause I know like when, when you get married, like women like to clear house and like get all new servants. Yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah. And Whimsy's just like shocked, and he's like, "I see that I am being obvious. Yeah, <laughs> Can you please tell me in the future if I'm being obvious?" <laughs> but I think it's so funny that he's like, "Oh my god, I've been obvious." It's like you literally went to the prison, introduced <laughs> yourself, told her you wanted to marry her, and I'm like, "Oh, and I'm good in bed." There's not much more obvious, man. No. Yeah. yeah, pretty obvious. Pretty obvious. So I do think that like. Out of all of them, like this is the most like Watson and Holmes Mm -hmm. kind of relationship Mm -hmm. where they're really like involved in each other's lives in an intricate like yeah for sure manner yeah agreed Mm -hmm. and whimsy is um, in terms of our other detectives so I think we mentioned before we had two who were professional like Mm -hmm. in the force two who are amateur so he's one of the amateurs yep it's just a hobby for him he's a younger son what else is he gonna do with his time yeah. Um, but actually he says, I think that he, it's one of the things that he took up. He originally took it up to cure a broken heart. Yeah. And then I think after the war, when he came back with, um, shell shock or what we would now call PTSD, mm-hmm. um, it was one of the things that basically took his mind off and yep. was, gave his mind something to focus on and do. Gave him a purpose. Gave him a purpose. Although it does also trigger that in yes. him once he has caught a criminal. Yeah. Uh, they don't really talk about it that much in this book, but no. it is covered in other books mm-hmm. that um, Peter does have a conscience. He loves mm-hmm. the mystery. He loves it, yeah. um, figuring out those things, but he really actually doesn't like to stick around for no. the end. No. No. Um, and it's really interesting because, <clears throat> never mind, that's something about Gaudy Knight. No, okay. We'll talk about we it. We want to talk about that. In the Gaudy Knight episode. Yeah. So he's an amateur. Um, and unlike some of the, like he's, I mean, I guess again, like he's more like a Sherlock. He has mm-hmm. like independent wealth. Yeah. He can be eccentric. Yeah. And he, um, more so than the rest of them, like really uses his, cause one of the detectives, uh, servant of Lampreys, mm-hmm. he's an actual detective, but he's also aristocracy. Yes. Whereas Peter is just aristocracy and an amateur detective. And he really uses that to like get in wherever. Absolutely. And he uses his celebrity. Mm -hmm. uh, And you see that in many of the whimsy books Mm -hmm. where his name opens doors. Yeah, for sure. But he also, if you read more than them, and it's one of the reasons I like, he has a ginormous like breadth of knowledge mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. things of different kinds of lives of different kinds of activities <laughs> of what like, Ryland Vaughn would call things <laughs> things yeah <laughs> all women have to do is watch whimsy to be like oh look at all those things someone could learn because it's really like in every book like he he can talk to anybody mm-hmm. and he can be knowledgeable it's almost a little bit like of a Mary Sue right um yeah. But he also, he he knows how he comes across and he p- can play up the, yeah. ooh, I'm the rich fool. Well, yeah, yeah. like, and some people catch on that they're like, wait a minute, this yeah. man is not a fool. But yeah. other people don't notice, but he yeah. can play to lots of different things. He also has a very odd 
kind of way of speaking at times. Mm, he he says what at the end of his sentences. Yeah, but like not as a question, just just like a... That's a punctuation. He's like, I'm going to go get tea, what? (laughs) (laughs) We have not yet been able to figure out how to work what into the ends of our sentences. Without making it sound like you heard somebody say something, you're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) But he pulls it off. He pulls it off. It's the oddest thing. Um... We really, and I'm actually quite glad for it. We don't really go on about anybody's appearance in this book, but um, he is described, he wears a monocle. (laughs) Yeah, he wears a monocle to trick people. And he's also got like a parrot beak. Same as the judge. (laughs) He and the judge are both likened to parrots. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but there there is actually throughout this commentary from both of him and Harriet's side about mm. each other's physical appearance, yes. which I do appreciate because there is such a meeting of the minds, but there yeah. is also this uh, growing attraction yeah. physically, which is so important. Yeah. Well, his seems to be pretty instantaneous, but hers grows over the course of several books. Yeah. Her voice, her low, intriguing uh, voice. Yeah. And there's a conversation too at the Christmas dinner, Whimsy's family, whether or not she's attractive. And half of the women are like, oh no, like she's plain as a pancake. And the yeah. other ones are like, oh, I don't know. There's something about her. Yeah. Like, dressed up the right way, like yeah. complimented with the right things. She has dark eyes mm-hmm. and Peter keeps going on about her honey skin. And how she should wear dark red. Yeah. Yeah. Which at some point, spoiler alert, (laughs) she does. (laughs) Anyways, but yeah, so Whimsy and um, he's got a close relationship with his mother. He does. (laughs) Which, you know, might be weird in some cases, but she's so awesome. She is really awesome. And she has hilarious rambling. And we get um, in the last book in our quartet, Bestman's Honeymoon, we get to see some of her personal letters and they are hilarious. So good. And she's so clearly... And this is not, I mean, great from like a child perspective, but like she so clearly prefers whimsy to her son, who's like the heir. Yeah. It's just like awesome. But you can really tell like there's a meeting of the minds there again. Again. Yeah. 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 And that's why he brings his mother to Mm -hmm. vet Harriet. And she's just like, oh yeah, this woman's on, she's going to get hung for this murder. But no, I approve. Yeah. I see it. I I see see it. it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know what, son? You should go tell her how good you are in bed. (laughs) Women always love to hear that off. Straight off the bat. (laughs) It's a no fail. Yeah. Um, Whimsy also likes to drive really fast. Yes. He does. And he has a thing about cars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's quite Mm -hmm. the car man. He collects first editions. Yeah. Yeah. He likes to have fresh flowers, but is that him or is it Bunter? I think it's Bunter. (laughs) I mean, Bunter is obviously the one providing them, but I think. I just love when Miss Murchison goes to Whimsy's apartment Mm. and like, doesn't he like, he sits down at the piano and like plays and like really well. And she's like, oh yeah, just sitting here having my drink, (laughs) watching this rich man play piano for me and this like she really describes the room and there's these flowers yeah. and there's this and like yeah other, yeah yeah she's just like what is happening yeah and yeah. then even after like when she has success and like she does things doesn't he take her to like a really fancy yeah. restaurant and like yeah. buys her very expensive whiskey yeah she's <laughs> so like, good do, 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 do. i know yeah she's she has a great time in this book she does she's like oh yeah yeah but i like his style mm-hmm. yeah yeah He's a good one. Yeah. I think we once said uh, that if I could take anyone to like a Christmas party, mm. like with my family, mm-hmm. it would be whimsy. Mm-hmm. He could talk to everyone. He could. Everyone would love him. Yeah. 
I would fade into the background. <laughs> it would be perfect. It would be perfect. Yeah, he's got that gift for sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. All righty. Oh, two left. Two left. Now, are there any cats in this book? Just Kitty Clemson. Just Kitty Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Unfortunately not. Yeah. The murder mysteries don't seem to focus on animals so much. Who would have thought? Who would have (laughs) thought? That's the closest we got. It's as close. Final prompt, and I know what it's going to (laughs) be. Because it could only be one thing. It's going to be books with bread. (laughs) Which character in this book should be played by Brad Pitt? I would have to go with Bunter. Mm. He's a handsome ladies' man with mm-hmm. a lot of different skills. Mm-hmm. I feel like Brad Pitt has, you know, really, he's a great leading man, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but he couldn't play whimsy. He couldn't be whimsy, no. And, but he does very well in, like, side supporting roles. Yep. And I feel like that he could... he could, could charm the pants off Hannah Westlock and Mrs. Petty Can. Oh, could he not? Mm. Could he not? I would also like to say, I feel like you've thought about this a little bit. Because usually yeah. when we get the books about you, are like, oh. And you're just like, bunter. <laughs> bunter. <laughs> I have an alternate suggestion to make. Now hear me out, because it's okay. going to shock you <gasps> at first. No. Philip Boys. Oh. Because reading what? this book, I'm like, why? What would she ever have seen in him? Oh, he had to be handsome. There had to be something. Yeah. And so if you were Brad, that would go a long way towards explaining how she got into this mess. He would have to have sexy charisma. (laughs) (laughs) Is that different from charisma? Charisma. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Enough to make all of his like frivolous thoughts that. Yeah. I think and we're not like, actually deep, like, like yeah. that the women would fall for him mm-hmm. so much as much as they did. Yeah, because he kind of like, Philip Boyce is kind of described as like, he's like the intellectual version of like the high school jock, like the high yeah. school quarterback, like yeah. that girls just fell for him mm-hmm. or they didn't because either they liked football or they didn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> or popularity yeah. or they didn't, like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And usually when they would get to that point of being like, it was... You know, mm-hmm. we've all seen the movies. Mm. They're generally, it's, <laughs> it, it's probably, it's, oh, actually, it's probably, mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Well, there's no equation. I would love it if someone had done this research between good looks and being good at football. <laughs> so probably lots of quarterbacks are actually not that attractive. <laughs> but are they made attractive by the globe of being a quarterback, or have the movies just lied to us for years and quarterbacks are not always good looking? Or alternate theory: Oh, good-looking people become quarterbacks even if they're not that good at football. Oh, but what if they don't win the game? The quarterback has to win. Well, maybe football's just really not that hard. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't know. (laughs) Me either. (laughs) I've actually played football. I've enjoyed it. (laughs) Maybe perhaps our listeners could have guessed that two women who have a podcast about feminist books aren't super into football. No. I mean, you could could be both, but... Anyway, that's just my alternate suggestion okay. for a Brad. But where would he be? Well, the... it would have to be flashbacks. Oh, oh, flashbacks. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it'd be one of those movies. Yeah. Ooh, and then maybe even Brad, you know, because he would like to stretch his rage, could play the death scene. 
He could totally, he could just be having diarrhea all over the place. We can also watch him making the omelet. And like, oh, there's like a crack in it. Did you know? And then like Norman Urquhart would be in the back and like, oh, I didn't, I didn't notice. That. Norman Urquhart would be, have to be played by someone very sleek and oily. Oh, totally that guy. You see Moulin Rouge? Yeah. The guy who plays the Duke. The Duke. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, that concludes our episode of Strong Poison. Well, except that we have to judge this book by his cover. Look at this hideousness. (laughs) Hideousness. Now we're done. (laughs) Yeah. Well, just like we've said, unfortunately, with the rest of the murder mysteries, they get the short stick when it comes to cover, illustration, or design. I tell you. We have two different copies here. Yeah. Um... Mine has like a nice like 20 style font, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's got a terrible picture of, I don't even know why, of, I think it's supposed to be whimsy, in profile, smoking mm-hmm. a cigarette mm-hmm. underneath a bridge, mm-hmm. and his car is in the distance, and some woman is like kind of hiding behind the back of the car. Amazing. But like, why? Like crouching. <laughs> yeah. oh. But why? I don't know. That no- just seems like a really generic, like... It, the book could be about anything. It could be about anything. And in fact, it's not about a woman behind a car and a man smoking with a monocle. That's just one of his many lovers. <laughs> she's <laughs> writing the recommendation against the back of the car. Yeah, she's writing the reference letter. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Harriet. And he's like, I'm so bored by this. <laughs> yeah. And so yours, um, and mine is also mostly in the tones of blue, which is... Right. Who's the publisher? Uh, dun, 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 dun. Coronet Books. Is that okay. it? Um, yeah. Yeah. Mine is from a publisher called General Paperbacks. That can't be right. The New English Library. Oh. Anyway, I have a few of these Dorothy Sayers from this publisher, and they are all 100% hideous. Mm. This, again, what? It's green. Mm-hmm. And with bright red Dorothy L. Sayers font. Mm-hmm. It's got, got the like crimson roses. Crimson roses. It's got this gross, I guess that's supposed to be the deed box. That's the deed box. But it's like, why is it so rusty and gross looking? Because it's old. Okay. Because <laughs> Cremorna Garden is old and she wrote it when she was 10. But she didn't have it in a deed box. It was the lawyer's office who had deed boxes. Well, lawyer's offices are old. They're cheap. All right, well... This Sorry looks, for all you lawyers out there. looks Holden. like a sunken treasure chest has been at the but bottom of the ocean. feather? It's like a quill pen, I think. Oh, okay, yeah, because the, the writers... Harriet's a writer, Philip's oh, a writer. I was going to yeah. say to write the will, because it's also yeah. old. Oh, yeah. That's I doubt true. Harriet writes with a feather pen, but maybe. maybe. It's got a monocle. Oh, Peter, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe this is something that arsenic could be in. It's like a glass little thing. Oh. Glass square receptacle. On its yeah, side. I'm not sure what that is. And there's like a weird statue of like a cherub playing a violin. Cremona Garden. <laughs> <laughs> that represents Cremona Garden. I think so. <laughs> it's awful. I'm going to post a picture of it. Yeah. I think I took a picture of it. Yeah. Complete with the price tag of $2 <laughs> that you paid for it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Terrible. Terrible. They are terrible. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, that definitely sums up this episode. (laughs) Terrible. Thanks to everyone. We're sorry about the 
Well, I guess it's not going to be a big grand pause because we never released. Did we release? Oh, we did release. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you've been waiting. A bated breath, probably. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you've been crying yourself to sleep every night. Historicals. <laughs> you haven't been worried about pandemics or no. the state of the world. Or you've like just the world been, is on fire. You've yeah. just been waiting for this episode. Yeah, to hear our thoughts on Dorothy Sayers and Strong Poison. But thanks so much for tuning in and listening. As mm-hmm. always, you can reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter or email. We are Story Girls Tweet, uh, Story Girls Podcast Instagram, mm-hmm. and Story Girls Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. But and just so you know, if you, reach, have a website. <laughs> if you reach out to us on Twitter, we have only ever tweeted one thing like a year ago. Yeah, that's true. So maybe Instagram or email or our website would be Instagram better. Instagram would be the best. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We's addicted to that. Wow. We's, I mean me's. Yeah. Use. <laughs> use. <laughs> uh, and thanks again to Rob, our tech support. We always appreciate it. And and next time we will be moving right along mm-hmm. with the saga of Harriet and Peter with um, Have His Carcass. Yes, and I'm quite excited to do that one because mm-hmm. it's very summery feeling mm-hmm. and yep. it is summer. It is summer, people. Mm-hmm. It takes place at a seaside uh, resort town. Lots so of beach. Lots of beach. Um, Peter gets talk. Peter gets you get to see Peter in his bathing suit. So if you haven't read it, go out and read it now. You don't get to see it, but you get to picture it. Well yeah. Picture that's, that's what I mean. Imagine if he's spent through the entire book and then there's just one picture. <laughs> one picture. <laughs> Someone needs to make that addition. <laughs> Oh, ideas. When I was a child and I read Sherlock Holmes, I think I had like, they were for young. So they were those books that every few chapters, there would just be like an illustrated picture. Were any of them Sherlock Holmes in his bathing suit? (laughs) They weren't, (laughs) but they should have been. (laughs) Well, here's some publishers out there. We're giving you some gold right now. Gold. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, until next time. Bye. Bye.